Welcome to the Impact Church Podcast, and thank you so much for joining us as we seek to establish Christ followers who live in obedience to God's Word and make an impact in their community and the world through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Today, Pastor Brad continues in his sermon series called Psalms of Summer as he speaks from Psalm 100 about what it looks like to serve the Lord with gladness. Are you ready to make an impact for Christ? The time is now. Amen to that. Welcome to Impact Church this morning. How's everybody doing? Good? So we're in a series uh, this summer that we've entitled uh, The Psalms of Summer, and each week we've been going through a psalm, a chapter in psalm, and expositionally going through it. We expositionally teach here and, and, and uh, like to dig into God's Word and, and gain great application because if you've been here the past couple weeks, we just went through Psalm 23 and we dove in deep. And I think we all learned a lot, including myself, on what was in that passage. And it was great to hear and see God's word come alive and be applied in our lives. So this week will be no different. And we're looking at Psalms 100 today. We're going to be in Psalms 100. And the title of our sermon series is something that you've, when you read that psalm, you may like, where did you get that title? And the title is Grab the Net. We're going to be entitled today, Grab the Net, because what we're going to look at today is God has created us specifically for something, and that's to be involved and engaged in the local church and in the Great Commission to fulfill His purpose. And you have a purpose, and you've been given some talents, some gifts, some abilities, some provisions that the Lord expects and wants all of us to use. So our title today is Grab the Net. And I want to start off today by introducing something that I know we're all familiar with, and that is our vehicles, our cars, our trucks, whatever you drive. You know that for your vehicle to go, you have to put something in it, don't you? And that something's called gas, liquid gold, right? Especially in today's world. That's expensive stuff, but it's required for your, for your car to go, unless you've got like the Tesla and the electric car, like, okay, you know what I'm saying? So stay with me, all right? I know we're in a, a, the George Jetson, you know, age or whatever. And so anyway, gas is required for you to move your vehicle, for your car to go, all right? But before long, if all you ever do is just put gas in your car, you're going to realize pretty soon that that was a mistake, that your car also needs other things for it to keep going, for, for it to stay on the road. It needs oil changes. You better check the, the tire pressure, right? So that way, um, hey, you're going down the road and you don't change the oil and, and you look at your, your, your spouse, you would be like, what's all that black smoke coming out behind our car for? Yeah, that would be the oil leaking around the rings and seals because you haven't changed it in a bit. You know what I'm saying? It's locking up. Or how about your brakes? You know, you go to stop your vehicle. Like, what's that strange noise? Why is it making that? Well, you, you know, you're, you need maintenance on your vehicle, right? So in other words, although gas is necessary, there's other things as well that we need to pay attention to. So inside of this, we have something that maybe some of you are familiar with. Maybe some of you are not because there's so very few of them anymore. And that's something called a full-service 
gas station. A lot of you will remember that. Some of you are like, what's full service? What's that? All I know is a gas station. You, you pull up, you pull the pump out, you swipe your car, you pump your gas in, and you go. Well, there used to be something in a lot of places called a full service gas station. Maybe there's still a few out in the country somewhere, but they don't exist in cities much anymore, where you would pull up and your vehicle would get a full service. It would pump the gas, but they would also check the oil for you. They would look at maybe the transmission fluid. They would look, make sure your wipers are good. They might even, if they could do it without pulling your tire off, check, see if you have plenty of brake pad left. They might um, do whatever, check the air pressure in your tires. It would be a full service. It would check and do more than just put gas in the tank to make sure your car was good to go down the road and be sustained. See, today, we use the church too much just like a self-service gas station where we just want to pull up on Sunday, fill our tank up, and then go on our own the rest of the week. And then when the gas needs it again, when our car needs gas again next week, we'll show back up, fill my tank up, and I'll go back again. You see, there's a big problem with that because... You see, Jesus created his church to be a full-service station where it does more than just puts gas in your tank, that there's other things for us to look at, to be involved in. But too many times, we get caught up in just filling up our tank. You see, we look at church as if it's just a, a preaching station where I got to get what I need and then I'm on my way until I feel like I need it again. That may be next week. That may be two weeks. That may be next month. That may be Christmas and Easter. You get my point? Just when I need it, I'll go get that gas. But instead, God has created this body, this congregation, the global congregation of the body of Christ to serve, to be engaged Yes, to fill each other up, to be filled with his word, to be moved by his spirit, but then to also look out for the embitterment of others, to make sure that not only that they have gas in their tank, but the air pressure in their tires is good. Amen. But to make sure that their oil isn't looking a little chunky. It might need to be changed, right? And there's other things that God wants the church to be involved in. So this needs to be a full service type of church where people together are edifying the body of Christ with everything the Lord has gifted them and positioned them to do. Because what we're going to see today is we were created and equipped to complete a mission. Did you know that? You and I both were created and equipped to do something within the body of Christ. So let me ask you this. If some of us that are equipped and capable and positioned to do something, and we don't do it, what happens to the body? There's something missing. I mean, you go back to the car example. Your car, if you have an eight-cylinder engine, you have eight cylinders firing, right? But if something's missing, you call that missing in your car, and it's not running on all eight cylinders, it's running on five, eh, it's not going to run so good, is it? It may get you down the roadways, but it's going to be chunking and bumping. You know what I'm saying? It's not going to be smooth. The same is that within the body of Christ. You and I are created to come together so that God's body can hit on all cylinders. But if some of us are missing and not serving and edifying the body and using our gifts, then this 
engine doesn't run like it could. And I hope everybody gets a message right there just as much as I did. We are called to the body, to edify each other, to not just fill ourselves up and leave and be gone. That's why it's called a worship service. This isn't worship seating. (laughs) It's a worship service. We're created to come and serve each other in the body of Christ. We had the greatest example in Christ because he himself said that he did not come to be served, but to what? To serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Praise God for his example and for his life that he laid down as God in the flesh, that we could be redeemed, restored, renewed, that we could have life. And through his grace, he gives us the ability to come to him and then invites us to be a part of what he's doing and to serve him. And he set the example for that. And here's what we're going to learn as we go through. That this is a psalm of of thanksgiving. But inside of this, there's this part where it says to serve the Lord with gladness. And we're going to look at that. And what we're going to see through other passages as we link this in and make the Bible come alive is that we know we're not just commanded to serve. We're built to serve. And get this. When God positions a church, a body of believers or whoever for a harvest. When he sets it up where you and I can be a part of what he's doing in his harvest field, this is what we're going to see. It takes workers. It takes people to grab the net to pull in the harvest. Because if you don't, the harvest that the Lord's provided will not be pulled in like it could be. Let me pray for us right now before we dive in. Dear Lord, we love you. Father, we thank you for Jesus. Lord, we're just in awe of right now of who you are, Father. You are holy. Father, you are God. You are our God. You're sovereign. You're worthy of our praise, our worship, not just of our lips, but of our heart and our lives. So, Father, Lord, as we dig deep into your word and learn more about who you are and who you We are in you and our identity in Christ and who you created us to be within this body of believers called the church. Lord, would you speak? Would you move our hearts? Would you stir our hearts, Father, to do your work? Give us a passion, a desire to be engaged in the battlefield, Lord, that you've put us on because people are dying, lost, and going to hell. And they're looking for hope if they don't have you in their heart, in their life. And Father, you have set us on a mission to evangelize and to make disciples, Father, and to teach them how to obey your word. And Father, we cannot do that unless we're hitting on all cylinders, not the way you've created it to be. Lord, all this is going to be done and empowered through you and your spirit. It's not about us. It's about you. But Lord, you've invited us to be a part of what you're doing. So Lord, I pray that we would be doers of your word and not hearers only, And Father, that we would leave here ready to make an impact for Jesus. And Lord, you get all the glory. In your holy name we pray. Amen. All right, so we are in Psalms 100. If you can turn there with me, if you have a copy of God's Word, or you can light up your face with your tablet or screen, whatever you got. But we're going to read Psalms 100, and it's entitled here, A Song of Praise for the Lord's Faithfulness to His People, A Psalm of Thanksgiving. What we're going to see, it's, it's the only one that has this title. We're a psalm of thanksgiving. So let's read that together. It's a short one, and then let's dig it out. 
The Bible says, make a joyful shout to the Lord, all you lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. For the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting and his truth endures to all generations. So inside this psalm of thanksgiving, we're seeing this call to worship, this call to praise, this call to serve. And we're going to look at this as we dig this out. And inside of it, there's this direct exclamation in this passage right off the bat. All right. In verse one, make a joyful shout to the Lord, all you land. So it's an invitation to everybody. So this goes outside the the boundaries of the nation of Israel and God's people. This is a call to everybody who is a follower of the Lord, who claims to be in Christ. This is to everyone. It's not just to the select. It's not exclusive. It's all encompassing. It's not just to the pastors, to the worship leaders. It's not just to those who are called to full-time ministry. It's to everybody. You see that? Everybody come. Make that joyful noise to the Lord. You may have another version where it says this uh, um, joyful shout may say, make a joyful noise unto the Lord. And, and, and of course, everybody has fun with that, right? Because we all know when we talk about it, not, not all of us are gifted to sing. Okay, I am not gifted to sing. My brother Tony can, can belt it, man. I, if, if, I, if he was sick and I had to sing, y'all be like, man, just, I'm just waiting till you preach, dude. I'm going out in the lobby. That stuff ain't right. I mean, that's wrong. See, not all of us are gifted to do the same things. And that's why it's so important that we all come together to edify the body of Christ. Okay? But we're all still commanded to sing and praise the Lord, even with our voice as well. Okay? And talking about this joyful noise, we know that sometimes that's not comfortable when you're sitting beside a brother or sister that can't bring it, right? And you like, sound like somebody trying to call humpback whales or something, you know? You're like, and you're like, right? I mean, that's hard, okay? But still, we're called to praise him and make a joyful noise unto him, all right? So here's this call, and it's to everybody. And then in verse 2, it says, in the New King James, in the King James, in the ESV, it has the word serve. If you have the NIV, it says worship, all right? But it, this is the word serve. It says serve the Lord with gladness. And we're going to talk extensively about this um, as we, after we kind of um, go through this text. But what we see is the whole earth is invited to serve. Everybody in Christ is invited to take part in serving the Lord, every single one of us. No exception. It's not just for the full-time ministry leaders, all right? It's for everybody to come and serve the body. We're going to take a specific look at that. The psalmist may have had in mind the, the service of worship or temple rituals at the time, but the principle applies that we're all to serve the Lord because we're going to look at this Hebrew word later as we dive in deeper. So for the true follower, the true believer in Jesus We serve God because we know he is God and because we love him, that there's a desire in us to serve. So out of that spirit of God within us that he has given, we serve with gladness. 
See the difference? Therefore, nobody should have to beg us to serve Jesus. If we're filled with the Spirit and we've got the, the mission of God, like we get it. We, we got this word. We know what Jesus did. We know he went to the cross so that, so that people could, could be redeemed, restored, renewed. Man, how dare us just sit on our hands and be quiet about that? To be involved, engaged some way in the mission. And we do that out of gladness. Nobody has to ask me. Nobody has to pay me to do that stuff. I want to do that. That's what the Bible's talking about right there. It's beautiful. Of course, it's talking about singing and praising again, and we see that direct call. And we know that, that giving praise and worship to the Lord with our lips is important because it's a, it's a vocal way of expressing what's really in our heart. You see, true authentic worship outflows out of the heart. Did you know that? Even Jesus said, there's some people that praise me, but their hearts are far from me, and I ain't listening to that stuff. That's in your Bible. So we can just praise and sing all we want, but if our heart's not right, it's not pleasing to the Lord. All right? But when, when we do have our heart right and our lives right, and then we praise, that's a pleasing aroma to the Lord. May not be pleasing to the brothers and sisters beside us, you know what I'm saying? But it's pleasing to the Lord. All right? And there's what that call is. It's the overjoy of our heart because we know in our society how music moves us. Man, music could, you could be having a bad day and a certain song come on and just flip your spirit, doesn't it? Man, that's what the Lord wants to do with the praises to him and singing about him. So important. It's the overflowing of the heart, true authentic worship. If we look at verse 3 in this passage where it says, it says Know that the Lord, he is God and it's he who made us. Okay, we know we worship and we serve him because he is God. He's creator. He's sovereign. We just had this whole message the past two weeks about how he is the good shepherd, that he has our best in mind, that he is our guide, our lead, our director. He has our provision. Everything that we need is in him, and we don't want for anything else anymore when we truly have a correct view of who God is. And then it says that he made us. I want to think on that for just a second. I mean, you know, Everybody knows that, right? Oh, yeah. Everybody in here should believe, okay, I was created by God. No, but think about this. He made you. The Bible says this. It's he who made us and not ourselves. How many times do we take credit for the gifts, the talents, the abilities that maybe we're blessed with? And don't realize that it's through his grace, through his hand, that we have everything we have. The Bible even says in the Old Testament that it's God who gives you the ability to make money. Think about that. So how dare we gloat about what I make and what I do and this and the other. God gave you the ability anyway. You wouldn't have a brain to think if it wasn't for him. How dare you take credit for what you do? Hmm. Man, it's all him. He made us. Always say in evangelism and have for, for, over, for 20 years now is, is get people to look at their thumbs and see the thumbprint, see the unique lines on their, on their finger. And just to know that you're the only person in the history of mankind and of, out of everybody that lives on this earth today and will live on the earth in the future, you're the only one that has a certain pattern design on your thumb like you do. And you want to tell me you're not special? That God didn't create you unique. You're not an accident. 
You're not here by chance. God didn't bring you to Impact Church to, just to, to, by chance. He wants you to get plugged and be involved and to use your thumbprint to put your stamp on the ministry that he's doing in this community and through this church. So what are we doing? Are we on the cruise ship or are we getting engaged on the battleship? Because in the battleship, it's all hands on deck. And that's what we're going to talk about. And that's what we're going to look at here as we go through. God's created us with a design, with a specificity to do something. So we know that serving, this call to serve, and you look at the specificity of it, it's not just all called to do the same things. It's something unique. It's edifying the body. And we know inside of that, it means that we're just not, when we're serving, it's not just something that we're commanded to do. Because we know we're commanded all throughout Scripture to serve the Lord in different capacities. That is a command, an expectation. But it's more than that. Because you're not just commanded to do it, you're created to do it. That changes the game. So in other words, I'm not forced to be here. I'm formed to be here. There's a big difference. There's a huge difference. That means that I can now endure hardship. I can endure persecution. That I am stirred and moved by the Spirit of God. That though every part of my flesh and body may want to quit, the Spirit of God propels me forward and drives, drives us. It's His glory. It's His power. It's His strength. It's His calling. It's His, it's his creativity that made me, that made you. And boy, when we are made for something and we know God's called us to do something, I'm going to tell you what, no person can change that. None. You see, I can ask you to do something. But if your heart's not in it, if you're not called to do it, somebody could ask you to do something different, couldn't they? And you could change. But if God's called you to do something, if God's put it within you to perform a certain task, a certain ability, I can't talk you out of it. At least I shouldn't be able to. Nobody could talk me out of what God's called me to do. I'd do it for free. I would. Why? Because God's called me to do it. Now, please, elders, don't meet after this and take a vote to say, he said he would do it for free. Let's take a vote right now. We say one. <laughs> yeah. All right. But I know God's called me to this. I don't need a paycheck. I would do it without it. And I hope you would, would serve the Lord in whatever capacity he's given you, regardless of whether you get applause on the back or everybody recognize you. We need people serving behind the scenes just as much as up on the stage. I'm going to be honest with you. The behind the scenes work is 8,000 times more important to edifying the body of Christ. What happens here is important, all right, by bringing the word and, and making disciples and, and, and getting people it, it, diving into the word and understanding truth. That is important. But I'm going to tell you, we will not move forward as a body of Christ on the mission that God's called us to do without the behind-the-scenes people. That's it. And God's created you to do something. What is it? You're created for it. Verse 4 leads into this idea of public worship. It says, enter into his gates with thanksgiving, into his courts with praise. Talking about the gates and the courts within the temple, the gates within the city, and then the courts within the outside part of the temple to come together in corporate global worship. There's something special in that. And we should consider that a privilege to come and worship. Man, but we just look at it like, eh, something to check off the list this week. Or, ah, do I really want to go to church? It's a nice day. Then we can go to the lake or the beach or somewhere else. Do you ever consider it a privilege to be here? 
worshiping Jesus? I'm not just talking about here. I mean, yeah, there's a privilege to be here in the freedom of the United States where we can come together and worship and preach God's words. Because I'm going to tell you, there's places in this world, whether you know it or not, that cannot do what you're doing right now to publicly gather and worship. Thank God for the freedom we have in this nation right now to do it. Because it may change one day. But right now we can. Do you consider it a privilege? I remember how hungry and thirsty some people were during COVID just to get in church. Do you have that same hunger and thirst every week, even though you can do it every time? You should. You want to get and be a part of the body and worship and hear from the Lord and serve. Because there's something special. It's an an attitude of thanksgiving that involves when all of God's people come together. It's just something about it. It's just something different. And it's that fellowship. Some people would say, well, I could have church alone, Brad, and I could worship the Lord, and I feel close to the Lord when, when I'm out by myself. And Yeah, okay, I get that. But you could do that Monday through Saturday, can't you? <laughs> Sunday's a better time to come together. It's the time when we all congregate, where we come together and, and we do something. And even more than that, because our church is not about just Sunday mornings, by the way. We expect you to get involved in life groups, in Bible studies, in youth group. If you're coming just to get your tank filled on Sunday morning, you're missing. You're missing it. The rest of the car needs to be taken care of. It's full service, baby. Come on. Come on. It's not just about the gas tank. Look at the whole vehicle. Get plugged in. Get involved. Grow, grow, grow. Reach people. Man, that's the mission. Because There's a property getting developed here very soon, hopefully, where that's going to be our heart. It's not just a lock up the door on Sunday, say, see you next week kind of building. It's going to be a vehicle, a tool used for the glory of Jesus all week long. And it's going to take manpower, baby. I'm going to tell you what. It's going to take workers in the harvest field. That's what it's going to take. Are you ready? Are you looking for something like that? I hope you are, to be a part of where God's already moving, to get plugged in, to use your abilities to serve. Then this verse says, in verse 5, it says, for the Lord is good. Why would we not want to worship him? Why would we not want to serve him with our lives? He's good. Go back and listen to the last two messages, the previous two weeks, the Psalm 23. We know he's the good shepherd, and we're his sheep. And it even said that in this passage, that he's Abba father that means he's daddy he's not a cosmic cop waiting to zap you when you do wrong it's the arms of a loving heavenly father that yes when there's times where we deviate and get away from him that yeah there's a little scolding maybe that's necessary a little conviction through his word that's healthy but there's never a condemnation message in christ or through his word that says you're no good that it's too late for you that you're worthless that's of the enemy But the conviction message that we're living in sin and you better get out because there's devastation down the road if you don't, that's healthy. Embrace that. That's the loving Heavenly Father. What kind of father would I be if I let my kids play in the street? Right? In the middle of traffic. That would usually be, oh, well, I'm just just letting them be free. I give them grace and free. Do what you want. No, there's hurtful stuff out there. You're going to get killed. Get out of the road. Right? A loving Heavenly Father would give their child a bike for enjoyment, to enjoy, to have fun on. But I'm not going to give them the bike and then just say, go do what you want. Go ride in the road and go down the highway. No. There's guidelines. There's stipulations around me. Okay, you can have a bike. 
Now, here's some things that you can't do on that bike. It's not that I don't want them to have fun. I bought them the bike to have fun. <laughs> but there's some things that they can and can't do on that bike because it could hurt them. Do you get that? I hope you do. I hope that makes the Bible come more alive to you. This is not rules and regulations. This is guidance for a healthy life. That's what Jesus wants. That's, what, that's why he said, teach them to obey all that I commanded you. That's not legalism. If obedience is legalism, then Jesus is a legalist. And I guarantee you he's not. But there's some churches that you'll go to where they won't say a word about living in obedience to the Bible. They won't say a word about repentance and, and deviating from sin and living for Jesus because they're scared. You might think that, they're, oh, I'm not preaching the word right. I'm going to tell you what, if you're not saying that, you're not preaching the word right. God's called us to public worship. He's good. We should want to serve him. We should want to live for him. And then it ends with these two beautiful passages, these two beautiful things right here. His mercy and his truth are everlasting. Want some extra reasons besides he's good? His mercy and his truth are unlimited. And they never fail and they never go away. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. His truth never changes. It's an anchor in the storm that we could hold on to. So now that we've kind of gone through that, I want to go back and focus on where the Lord has led us to focus this week. And that's on this verse too, where it says, serve the Lord with gladness. And this word serve, this Hebrew word is albed. And it means literally to work. That's why it's kind of eh, when the NIV switches this word serve to, to, to worship. It's not exactly right. Unless you have the idea of Romans 12 worship, living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. But too many times we say the word worship and we just think sing. We just think song. You see, this is talking about something totally different. Totally different. That's why the Hebrew word is work, labor, enslave. So now you could read it, work for the Lord with gladness. Oh, what are you talking about? Labor for the Lord with gladness. Enslave yourself to the Lord with gladness. Here's another meaning in that side of that word. Execute. Oh, I like that because now you're, now, you're now you're starting to talk what I'm used to. We're talking about athletics and played football my whole life. And we're talking about execute. Now, oh, you're speaking my language. Execute for the Lord with gladness. Make a play, <laughs> right? Be a playmaker. Be a game changer for the Lord with gladness. Is that coming alive for somebody now? Always, I, I grew up in, in, uh, in, in football, in a football field with a high school coach that always said big-time players make big-time plays and big-time games. And we're looking for somebody to make a play. When the fourth quarter and the game's on the line, who's going to make a play? Who's going to make a play? And you've heard me say numerous times that I believe we're in the fourth quarter in the world we live in. When you look at God's word, you can definitively say that we are in the last of days when you look at all the Bible says in the prophecy. We're here. The difference is, in a football game, I can look up on something called a scoreboard, and I can see how much time's left on that clock, can I? And if there's 12 minutes left, we may have two or three possessions. If there's five minutes left, we may get two possessions. If there's two minutes left, we got to work quick. The difference is, in this fourth quarter of life, we cannot look up on a scoreboard, and we cannot know how much time left there is, can we? We can just definitively say we're in the last days. So how much time's left? I don't know, but I can promise you this. God is looking for people that he has equipped and created to serve, to make a play, to execute, to serve him with gladness. There's the message. 
coach in college always says, don't make excuses, make plays. Make plays. Don't make excuses. Well, I'm too busy. I got to do this. I got to do this. You don't understand. My, the, 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 I'm tired on Sundays. And make a play. Don't make excuses. The time is near. It's time to be vigilant about the Great Commission through the power of Christ that he's called us to. Let's look at this. Now that we got this idea of this word serve and what it's talking about to labor, to work, to use our gifts, to get plugged in. 1 Peter 4, verses 10 and 11. Turn with me there. 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 10 and 11. I'm going to read this. It says, as each one has received a gift. Somebody say each one. As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another. As good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. If anyone ministers, let him do it as with the ability, that's the strength, which God supplies, that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belong the, the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. It doesn't get much more clear than that, does it? How many of us were gifted something to serve? How many? Each one. That's everybody. <laughs> everybody. Each one. And then it says, minister it to one another. He didn't give you something to keep it to yourself and to use for yourself. Minister it to others. Edify the body. Clear, concise. Why? As good stewards. A good steward of something is when you're given something, you're entrusted to use it. For who? Yourself? No. For the glory of God because of his grace. It's so perfectly clear. I'm going to be honest with you. If we've lost the sight of the value of service, then what we have done is we have chosen the value of self. I'm going to say it again. If you and I lose sight of the value of service to the Lord, then we have chosen the value of self. What I want. Try to make up an excuse as to, to the Lord. Per, per, just pretend for a minute that you're at the throne right now, right? That you're saved, that you're at the great white throne. I'm not at the great white throne. That you're at the judgment seat of Christ, right? At the end. Don't, you don't want to be at the great white throne judgment. You're at the judgment seat of Christ. And you're given an answer. And the Lord asks you why you didn't serve. Why you didn't use the gifts for his glory and edify the body of Christ. What excuse would you have? I guarantee you you'd have a hard time without using the word I. I, I, um, I, or I felt or feel. That's a good one too. Think about it. You couldn't. Because when we lose value of serve, we choose self. Plain and simple. It's not to say that we all can be available to do everything every single minute. That's not what I'm talking about. But what are we doing? Are we using our gifts for him, for his glory? It says if anyone ministers, do it with the ability, the strength the Lord provides. We're going to look at that. I want to bring up another passage of scripture right here in, in Hebrews 13, 21. And in verse 20, it talks about how the God of, of peace and, and he's the good, the great shepherd. And it says, so we're talking about the Lord. So it gives context to verse 21. It says, therefore, with verse 21, it says, the Lord, may the Lord make you complete. That means to equip you in every good work to do his will, working in you. What is working in you, what is well-pleasing in his sight 
Through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. That he completes it. He equips you. You think of Philippians chapter 1. It says, he who began a good work in you will carry to completion until the day in Christ Jesus. God is equipping you and will equip you for what he calls you to do. That is a guarantee. I'm going to say that again. Because some people may not feel like that you're equipped to do what God's called you to do, so therefore you haven't taken out a step of faith to do it. There was a brother called Moses that tried to do that with God. You remember that? He said, go to Pharaoh. Tell him to let my people go. But, but God, I'm not eloquent, right? And how many times did he say that? Finally, the Lord got kind of mad. and said, like, boy, who made your tongue? Go. I'll provide. I'll give you a Aaron. Hey, God just wants you and I to be obedient. And believe me, I'm speaking to myself because this comes from experience, because I feel unworthy to do every single thing that God's called me to do here. Every bit of it. I ran for two years from planting this church because I was like, God, you got the wrong cat, brother. I am not the person you need to, to plant a church and preach. But it was just this. And the more I ran, the more I felt like Jonah. <laughs> Maybe you're in that kind of season where God's called you to Nineveh. But brother, you're going to Tarshish because that's where you want to go. You want to go to Tarshish. God wants you to go to Nineveh. But I'm going to tell you through his grace, he's going to provide a whale and swallow you up until you see it his way. <laughs> because his way is better for you and it's for his glory and he's what he's created you to do. Please believe me when I say what he's called you to do, he will equip you. Now, if you call yourself to something, you're on your own. Plenty of people out there that have called themselves to preach and pastor a church. And you can probably very quickly point them out. But if God's called you to do something, oh... There's his glory in that. Man, I, I, I plant a church here in the area where I went to school from eighth grade up, up through graduation as senior at, at Lynchburg Christian Academy over here. Man, you want to know how hard it is to plant a church in the area where you grew up? Well, you got to be brave, right? There's some people in here that knew me. And be like, Brad's preaching and playing and passing a church? Man, what? But Brad's... Brad's preaching 45, 50 minutes an hour through a passage of scripture. I've never heard him say 20 words at one time. I don't, I can't explain it. It's just what the Lord said, go do. And then here it is. He equips, he equips who he calls. He does for his glory. First says that he will complete it. He will equip you for every good work to do his will, not yours, his. If God's in it, you're going to win it. No doubt. Lord always equips when he calls. We understand this in our society that, that we want people who are, who are equipped to complete a task, right? I mean, if you need a, a, a mechanic to work on your vehicle, you don't go to somebody who's not equipped for that, right? You don't go to an author. Now, all they do is write books. You fix my car. What are you talking about? If an airplane needs a mechanic... It's not good enough just to get any old mechanic. You want somebody that's trained and equipped to work on this plane. You can't just grab Fred. Oh, Fred worked on lawnmower engines for 20 years. Come on, Fred. No, Fred, stay away from the plane, please. Right? I mean, we understand this concept. How about with your doctor? 
somebody to perform a surgery. It's not just next man up or anybody that's available. You want somebody that's trained, that's, that's gone through an education, that's gone through an internship, that's had somebody look over them as they perform surgeries to make sure they're capable to do it. You just don't pick the guy out of high school that was really good at dissecting the frog and say, come on, man, jump on in. You see, you're equipped to do something. What are you equipped to do? What are you called to do that God needs you to do, invites you to do? Because if the gaps are, are left open, other people have to fill it. They may not be equipped to do it as well as you do it. Therefore, we don't run as smoothly as it could. What's God called you to do? Here's the beautiful thing. Inside of Christ with this new redeemed, restored, renewed heart that God's given you. That's why he saved you. He's given you a new heart, a new mind. What did he do that for, right? To give you a new passions, new desires, and inside this new heart, this new life, this new creation that God has created you to be through, through Jesus, now he wants to in, ignite in you a flame, a desire, a motivation, a passion to do what he's called you to do. Do you have that? What has God given you a passion for? Because what God calls you to do will be natural to who you are and what he's going to or has already equipped you to do. He will, and it will be evident. It will be evident. And here's the truth. You won't feel worthy or capable. At least you shouldn't. God can't use a prideful person. He can't. He often looks for the ones that are the least of these to do what he's calling people to do when he moves. And going back to this passage in First. Peter chapter 4, where he said, each one, each one of us, that means there's no excuse for anybody who is a claimed follower of Jesus Christ to not be using some of the gift, the talent, the ability that they've had, their, whether that's their time, their talent, or their treasure to serve Jesus in some capacity. So what are you doing? How are you serving him? How are you doing it? Are you just coming to get your tank full? Because there is a mission that God has for you to be plugged into for his glory. This is a beautiful part right here. We can't serve God in our own strength. If we try, we'll get burned out. Did you know that? I can't do and complete everything God's called me to do in my own strength. When I do, I feel like quitting. <laughs> How about you? You ever felt that way? Man, and, and, there's a, and there's been a few examples where this wasn't the truth, but in general, there's a saying in ministry that people never go from a place of service back to a seat. In other words, if they get burnt out and they quit serving in some capacity, they usually leave the church. I can tell you right now, that is not what Jesus wants. That's what the enemy wants. He wants you to get fed up, burned up, burned out, and leave and quit the mission that God's called you to do. We need to serve only in his strength. Look at 1 Peter chapter 4 again, that, that passage we had. It says, if anyone ministers, let him do it with the ability which God supplies. You look at that, that word, and it's the word for, yes, for the equipping, but it's strength. It's in his strength that he supplies. So it's his strength. He's the supplier. And it says that all things God may be glorified. And it's for his glory. It's not for your glory or my glory. Say, oh, he served the ministry faithfully for 40 years. He'll give you a plaque. And I don't need a plaque. 
I really don't, and I don't, I don't mean to sound that way, but I know what God's called me to do. It's, it's almost like at some point the light went on in my head. I always couldn't understand Paul for a while when he says, I consider my life worth nothing, right? Did you know he said that? He said, I consider my life worth nothing. If I could just complete the race and finish the task, if I could just finish the race and complete the task that the Lord Jesus has given me. Oh, that, that makes sense now. I don't want to live life for my own. I don't care about my own life as much as I care about the calling for which God has placed it in front of me. How about you? Or is your life still what drives you? Your desires, your wants, your time. That's my time, God. I don't have much anymore. That's, that's my abilities, God. That's, that's, I'm using it for my glory to build my bank account. That's, that, uh-oh, here we go. You ready for this one? That's my treasure, God. That's my money. Don't you know inflation's happening in this world? You want me to, you expect me still to give to the mission to complete? Oh, that's mine. Oh, be careful. Can't serve God in our own strength. We'll get burned out. It's for his strength. It's by his supply. It's for his glory. I'm going to close it with a few passages, a couple passages in Luke that we want to take a quick look at. When we talked about when God moves and positions a group of people, a church, to complete a mission, and he has a harvest in front of them. It takes workers in the harvest field. Turn with me to chapter 5 of Luke. Luke chapter 5. I'm going to read a passage of Scripture that you've probably read many times or heard. And I just want to quickly put it in front of us. Luke chapter 5. I'm going to read verses 1 through 11. Verses 1 through 11. It says, So it was, as the multitude pressed about him, that's Jesus, to hear the word of God, that he stood by the lake of Gesaret and saw two boats standing by the lake. But the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. They were done. Like, this is over. I ain't done nothing. We're washing these nets, putting them up. Then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and he taught the multitudes from the boat. When he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. Can you imagine this? You ever been out fishing all day? You're hot, you're sweaty, you ain't caught squat. And somebody just gets in the boat and says, hey, let's go out again. Drop them again. Like, what? That's what Jesus asked them to do. We're ready to quit. We're ready to give up. We've been laboring, been working in our own strength. Ain't nothing happened. What does Simon say? He says, but Simon answered and said to him, Master, we've toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. There's surrender. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish, and their net was breaking. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish which they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. You'll be fishers of men. 
So when they had brought their boats to land, they forsook all and followed him. There it is. My life's not worth anything. If I could just complete the, finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me. They forsook all and followed him. They saw who Jesus was. They saw him do what didn't make sense. And when they followed him in his strength and followed his word, even when their own strength had faltered, when they were done and washing their nets and they went out and fished through his strength from the harvest that he provided, then it was so big they couldn't pull it in. What did they do? Call for help. What if the other boat didn't come help? Would they have been able to bring them fish in that boat? Mm -mm. What if, what if God has a harvest for Impact Church or even the other churches, because we ain't just the only church, right? The other churches that are living the, 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 and preaching the word of God and, and, and fulfilling the commission and doing what they're called to do. There, there's a harvest out there for them as well. And we're all trying to reach the community in different ways. But what if there's a harvest that God has prepared for us? And I was telling you that the nets are breaking, that there's people getting burned out, and we need help to pull the nets in that God's about to provide. Would you go back to shore or would you grab a net? These people grabbed the net and they pulled it in and they were astonished by the harvest for the Lord's glory. And it strengthened their faith in who Jesus was. What if God wants you to be a part of something that he's doing so it will strengthen your faith and you realize who God really is. And then he uses that faith that, faith that he strengthened in you through the mission of the church to reach others. And then you can know and trust God for the problems that you're facing on your own. What if God wants to do something like that? Luke chapter 10, you can turn with me a couple pages over in your Bible. Luke chapter 10, verses 1 through 3, talking about the people that were sent out. It says, after these things, the Lord appointed 70 others and sent them two by two before his face into every city and place where he himself was about to go. I'm going to read that again. He sent them out and got them in position where he was about to go and move. What is God calling you to go and do where he's about to move? You got to go. You got to get there. You don't want to miss it. And then he said to them, the harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go your way. Behold, I send you out as lambs among wolves. Ain't going to be easy. Ain't going to be easy what God's called you to do. But it's necessary. And he's sending you out with a specificity, with a purpose, in preparation for where he's about to go. What if God's calling you to get plugged in, to serve, to be a part of this body, to prepare us, to prepare Impact Church for where he's about to go? for what he's about to do, for the harvest that he wants to bring in. But it's going to take people grabbing the net because the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Pray the Lord brings workers into his harvest field. I'm going to tell you right now, I can't bring you in. Like I said before, if I bring you in, somebody else can bring you out. But if the Lord brings you in, you ain't leaving. What am I asking you to do? Serve Jesus, not me.
not impact church. I can tell you wholeheartedly, God's taken us somewhere where there's a harvest. We need you. I need the partners in the other boat because sometimes I feel like our nets are breaking and people are getting burned out. What has he equipped you to do? You love kids? Why ain't you serving in kids' ministry? Loving on some children, pointing them to Jesus. Everybody looks for the church with the great kids' ministry, but nobody wants to be a part of making it great. If we don't have a great kids' ministry, families won't stay. Because unfortunately, people have a cruise ship mentality. <laughs> we want to reach people. We have to serve. Maybe God's given you the ability to sing. I mean, to really sing, not just like American Idol, like sing, like tryout day. I mean, sing, right? Maybe he's gifted you to, to play an instrument or whatever it is. Serve. Maybe he's, he's uh, man, you don't know what he's gifted you to do. And, and maybe you just, you feel like you're average Joe. That's great. That's great. Plenty, plenty, plenty opportunities to serve. Parking team. Everything we do, hospitality, you name it. Maybe you're gifted in, in, in different aspects of, of technology. I'm going to tell you, we, that, that's, that's a big need in our church. Man, maybe God's gifted you and given you a passion for that. And maybe you can edify the body of Christ in that. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's technology and, and you can help Silas and the whole tech team out. Whatever it is. There's places to serve and get involved. We're big on community outreach. There's going to be times where, where we need all hands on deck and serving and setting up and where we're reaching people with the gospel for Christ at an at a, a, a Easter event or, or whatever we do. Serve. Be a part of what God's doing. Workers are plentiful. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Jesus is looking for a few good men and women to grab the net. Slap the brother or sister beside you. Tell them to grab the net. Wake them up. Say, grab the net. It's time to grab the net. When we're serving with the right heart in the right way, it gives God glory. And it'll be shown by the excellence by which you serve. You won't do that. You won't serve the Lord begrudgingly or just nonchalant like you don't care. It'll be a passion renewed within you. You may be tired, but you're like, Lord, give me strength to do. I know what you've called me to do. Yes, there's going to be times where we need time off or a break or whatever. That's why we need more people serving so we can get a rotation going. Maybe eventually we even have to do two services one day. Lord knows we're going to need people serving to do that. It can't be the same people serving both services every single week. We get burned out. The nets break. We need help from the people in the other boat. We all know we, need, we know the value of things in our society. And that when a certain name is placed on something, it increases the value of it. Think about maybe the lady's purse. Some of you may have a, a Gucci or a Michael Kors or whatever. But when a certain name's on something, it increases the value, doesn't it? That Under Armour shirt's gonna cost more than the athletic work shirt at Walmart because there's a name on it, there's value. There's a certain level of expectation that if you have the money to stay at the Ritz-Carlton, you expect a different type of service, a different type of professionalism than if you stay at the Motel 6. What am I getting at? Well, you and I say that we serve Jesus. 
that I serve this ministry in the name of Jesus, there is value that's added to that because his name's on it. And it means something. And there's a higher level of expectation of service and excellence to be done when we serve his holy name and represent him as the body of Christ. That shouldn't be done halfway and nonchalant. And ah, eh, it should be done with our hearts and our lives so that we can prepare for the harvest that God is going to provide. So I ask you today, are you looking for a cruise ship for a church or a battleship? The cruise ship is all about you. So you can come, be entertained, relax, and there's plenty of this, that, and the other. And I'm going to tell you right now, if you're looking for a cruise ship church, there's better cruise lines as far as the entertainment out there than Impact Church. We'll lose you to the places with the big fancy buildings and the fancy smoke show and lights and all the entertainment and all the, the, the bling. We'll lose you if that's the type of church you're looking for. But if you're looking for a battleship... If you're looking for an all-hands-on-deck experience where you can get plugged in and serve the body of Christ and be a part of the mission where God's going and he's sending us there in advance because he's coming, then I promise you, you're in the right place. Will you join with us in what God's doing? Am I asking you to join and be a member of the church? I could care less about that stuff. I'm just being straight. We don't do letters and transfer letters and all that job. You don't have to do a letter to come to, in the, in, to the kingdom of God. Why you got to have a letter to come to a church? What am I asking you to do? Lock arms with us and join us on a journey that you don't want to turn away from. Somebody in the church may offend you, but you're still locked in because the mission is that. It's not a cruise ship. I'm not looking to be entertained, to be comfortable. I'm looking for the mission to accomplish something. Somebody may offend me, then I'm going to go to my brother or sister in Christ. There's scripture for that. Don't run from the church. Go to your brother. Go to your sister. Get things right. I offend you. I say something wrong. Come to me. Make me explain it. Please don't leave. Please. There's certain things where you and I have the authority in Christ to leave a church. Most of the times when people leave a church, they don't do it for any of those reasons. They do it for themselves. I'm asking you to join a mission, a journey, not be a member of a country club. We're not a country club. We're on a battlefield for Jesus. Jesus is looking for some warriors to join the cause that he's put us on. Will you be a part of that? At the end, there's going to be ways to sign up to do that. For the next couple weeks, there's going to be papers in the back and people hopefully pointing you, telling what each team does and what each team does and it's involved in. Whatever the Lord has gifted you in, I'm going to ask you to grab the net and help because I can tell you the nets are bulging and if we don't have the people in the other boat come, they're going to break. We're not going to be able to pull in the harvest that God wants. Serve. Say yes to Jesus. And do what he created you to do. Let's bow our head and close our eyes right here today as we close up. I wonder if there's anybody first in here and foremost that might say, Brad, I've, I don't know Jesus like you talk about. 
never surrendered my life to him like that. I don't, I don't feel a, a cause. I don't feel a fire in my heart. I don't feel a, a passion, a desire. Matter of fact, all I've ever done is live for myself and in my own understanding and the things of this world. And today I'm broken over that. And I want to make a change. I want to surrender my life to Jesus because I want to serve him with my life. I want to be a part of what God's doing. If that's you and you've never surrendered your life to Jesus, I'm going to ask you to do it today, right now. Through a commitment of your heart and your life to him. It's a surrender of your will to his will. Would you do that today? Or if you're here and you said, Brad, I've walked in that church doors my a lot of my life and previously, man, I know I'd walk with the Lord. I, 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 one time I felt that fire, that burn, that desire that you're talking about. But lately, man, I've deviated. I've been living life for myself, for the things of this world. And, man, I've just, I've just been separated from God. And I want to come running back today like the prodigal son. I'm going to tell you, Jesus is sitting here with arms wide open, ready to receive you in. Will you come back to him today? And if that's you and you want to rededicate your life to Jesus and get back on fire for him and join in the journey that God has called you to be a part of, I'm going to ask you to pray the same prayer from your heart to God's heart and do business with him right now. And I want to tell you that it's not the words by themselves that save you. It's not. It's Romans 10, 9 and 10. But if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, then you're saved. It's with your heart that you believe and are justified. It's with your mouth that you confess and are saved. Will you surrender your heart to Jesus? That word believe with your heart is talking about to entrust, to commit it's not just a head knowledge belief. That's not it. Are you ready to surrender and commit your life to Jesus? For the first time to rededicate, just say, dear Lord, I admit to you that I'm a sinner, that I've fallen short of your glory. And Lord, I'm in need of you, my Savior. Thank you for sending your son Jesus, God in the flesh, to die on a cross, that his body was broken and his blood was shed for me that I could be forgiven, that I could be restored and renewed, that I could be a new creation, that I could have new life, that the old would be gone and the new would come. And Lord, I thank you for that victory. Lord, of that empty tomb, that proving you are God, that you raised in victory over all hell, death, and the grave. And I want to claim that same victory, Lord, in my life right now because I need it. So Lord, my commitment to you is to live for you all the days of my life where every step that I take and every breath that I make will be for your glory. And Lord, that I will use the gifts that you have entrusted to me, that I will be a good steward, that I will use them through your strength that you supply for your glory to serve the body so that we can grab the net and prepare for the harvest that you're about to bring. Amen. That's you. You prayed that right now. You meant business with God and received him for the first time or rededicated your life boldly and unashamed. Would you just raise your hand and say, Brad, I prayed that prayer. I meant business with God and I'm not ashamed. Amen. If I don't see you, God does. Amen. Impact. Can we give Jesus a big round of applause this morning for his word? And let's take it like we say every week and let's go make an impact for Jesus. Thanks again for joining us today. The Lord is truly doing an amazing work and we would love for you to be a part of it. Check out the show notes for links to our website and social media pages. Or if you're ever in the Lynchburg or Forest, Virginia area, please come on by and join us in making an impact for Christ.